Hello, everybody. My name is Reese Garlinski, and this is Young History, episode 55 on Lesotho. The capital of this country is Mazeru. And a few things about this country are that it actually has the highest base elevation of any country in the world, with that base being right around 1,000 feet above sea level. And on top of that, it's at the average height across the country is about 1,800 feet above sea level. On top of that, it is also the largest sovereign enclave in the entire world, as the entirety of this country is surrounded by greater South Africa. And there's just a lot to get into this country. It's a very small country size-wise compared to other African giants that are either literally surrounding it or right next to it or anywhere on the continent. And on top of that, it doesn't get anywhere near the amount of coverage that any other country really does. I mean, Lesotho is a country that almost nobody knows exists unless you are someone who studies this kind of thing. So I don't want to dilly-dally too much longer. I kind of just want to get right into it. So thank you guys so much for being here. And this is Young History. My name is Reese Karlinski, and this is Lesotho. Let's go. Lesotho first started being occupied in the Neolithic period, which is considered the New Ice Age, by hunter-gatherers that walked around the area and did many level of settlement, which is where they kind of moved with animals, grazed as they did, and killed and hunted around the land. This kind of thing would go on for a while until the year 1000 BC came, and from that time until right around the turn of the age from BC to CE, the migration of the Bantu speakers would happen. The Bantu speakers were a very tall people group <clears throat> that came from West Africa that migrated their way down over that thousand-year period and started to begin to take over and set their roots deeply into the areas that we know as Botswana, South Africa, Zimbabwe, Mozambique, all of those, including Lesotho. And the Bantu speakers were superior fighters to the original people that were there, uh, the San people who were there, and they actually replaced them with their culture fully and started to form into what became the Soto or Basoto people. The Soto or Basoto people are the ancestors of the Bantu that began occupying the land around the 16th century. Lesotho is named right after then, literally meaning land of the Soto. They would build villages and farms to expand, and from there they would start to become a much more literal people group rather than just a collection of different ones that were in the area. And somehow Napoleon was actually involved in this country's history, despite the thousands of miles between it and France or any part of the empire because Napoleon actually took over the Netherlands, which at the time included all the co colonies it held, and Britain wanted to liberate these colonies to keep them out of French hands, so Britain liberated a bunch of the area of where South Africa is today, including the lands of Lesotho, which belonged to the Netherlands as a colony, and Britain actually kept one of these colonies. It was the Cape Colony, which was at the very, very bottom of the African continent, which was named the Cape of Good Hope for its connection to the ocean and the fact that that kind of marked a place where people could sail under Africa to get to the eastern world. And when this takeover happened, the settlers already in the land, which were European settlers, were already really upset. So they moved north to form the Orange Free State, and this Orange Free State, which was kind of like boars, would actually attack the Basoto. And this is when things start to really pick up, as at the time, King Mashosho was ruling in Lesotho, and he became a chief right around 1804. He and his people settled in northern parts of Lesotho in 1820, and he had to deal with what was happening with the Orange Free State. So during his rule, which lasted from 1822 to 1870, he really helped form the Soto Nation. At the time, it was called the Soto Kingdom, 
and he helped unite these people along with a few other tribes in the area to stand up against this event called the Mafakane as well as the Orange Free State. The Mafakane was an event that lasted from 1815 to 1840, which is where the Zulu Kingdom, which was at the time being ruled by Shaka Zulu, became really violent and started to have different wars in the area and try and really crush anyone that came up against them. This included a lot of other chieftains, and part of this was killing people that were related to or part of King Moshosho's family, which led to him having a lot of power in the area and him having the power to unite his people along with the other people in the area. And this that word, mafakane, actually means the crushing in Soto, and it refers to the fact that so many chiefdom, chiefs and their chieftains were crushed during this time, were killed. So Moshosho had to deal with that, and once he was able to get his people through that, he had to reshift his focus to survive the war with the Boers or the Orange Free State. The Boers were descendants of Dutch settlers who were white people that were settling in South Africa and formed that state after Britain took over a lot of the land. And they wanted to settle, that, they wanted to expand their Orange Free State as far as they could. And this, of course, brought them into conflict with the Soto people who were right next to that area. The war between these two raged on for over 30 years. And after this, King Moshosho reached out for help. He saw that things were getting really close to being a loss for Lesotho, and he actually made a deal with the British Empire. The British Empire would step in and back up the Soto people in order to keep the lands from becoming incorporated into the Orange Free State, but Lesotho would agree to become part of the British Empire. And that would happen in 1868. During colonial rule, the kingdom started to shift into a colony, and it was called Basoto Land under the British rule. In the early years, it was very autonomous, with a lot of chieftains and different levels of government authority still being within the Soto people. There was even a long time where after King Moshosho died in 1870, his children, the five children he had, all had different leadership roles within the country, even under the British. And that got really tested and kind of changed to the British being much more controlling when the Cape Colony was starting to expand in the 1870s. And the people who were ruling Cape Colony actually started to expand their rule into Basoto land and started to kind of shift the way things were over there. And now it's a much more European settler-ran country than it was by the Soto. In 1879, part of Basoto land was reserved for white settlers only. And this made the Basoto chiefs and people really furious because up to this point, they had been very cooperative with any of the standards that the British wanted because, you know, they were trading off one little freedom for another. So when this happened, they were very upset because it was kind of a slap in the face. And another thing that the British did to kind of really push was that they tried to take away the guns from all the Basoto people, which was at the time a very high percentage. A lot of gun owners were in Basoto. The people just had guns from their trade, and it was a big part of their economy and culture was to trade for weapons and to keep themselves safe for hunting and for other things. But the British tried to take these guns away, tried to get the Soto people to get rid of all of their guns. This wasn't taken lightly at all, and this led to the Basoto Gun War, which lasted from 1880 to 1881. The Soto fought so hard and well with the guns they had, and the fact that they were fighting in their area with the mountains and all of that, that they actually made the British give up, and the British admitted defeat in this fight. So technically, the Soto won a war against Britain, because the colony wasn't able to hold its power over Basoto and force them to do what they wanted to. In 1884, Basoto Land was renounced by Cape Colony and became a crown colony of the British Empire, which is definitely a step up in their own autonomy. And it didn't get merged into the unification of South Africa. And a thing that happened toward the end of the 19th century was minerals were discovered in South Africa that needed to be mined up. And this meant that a huge labor force would be required in South Africa and Basoto Land would be where they went to get these people from. 
And at the same time, grain started to become a very big cash crop for the people of Basoto land. South Africa saw a lot of immigration from Basoto land because there were not many jobs available in that smaller country. And on top of this, the Great Depression was happening in the early 1900s, as well as a drought that hit that eastern part of South Africa where Lesotho is. And this led to a lot of people just needing to come in and work in South Africa. And there wasn't a lot that was going well for Lesotho, for Basoto land because of the fact that they were having issues with their soil, the drought was happening, people were struggling to find work. All these things were combining, and they had to reach out to find work and bring money to their economy. And it all went through South Africa, which is the thing that happened with a lot of countries in the area, like Eswatini and Botswana. So it got to a point where most adults in Lesotho would actually work two years in the mines in South Africa as a standard. It was pretty much every male adult would at some point be in there. And it really became so prompt to the point that the economy of Basoto land itself depended on the work from South Africa, and that lasted pretty much until independence. Independence came after the British Empire was getting to the point where it started to want to release, or at least to some degree, release the colonies it had. But there was a shift happening also in Basoto land where people wanted to run their own country, and much more liberal people came into power after different elections and different shifts in internal government that were happening, different people from the Moshosho lineage started to come up and realize they didn't want to be under the British anymore. So between the two talking, agreements were made, and in 1966, full independence was achieved. The land changed from Basoto land to the Republic of Lesotho, and was a parliamentary democracy only until its next election in 1971, because there was issues happening internally and outside. So apartheid South Africa was happening, which was a system that pretty much gave white people a whole machine to help them take over Africa, despite being, or take over South Africa, despite them being the minority. And Lesotho acted as a safe haven for people wanting to break away from the apartheid system. And Lesotho as a whole fought against the apartheid system because they didn't stand for that as an independent country. South Africa and Lesotho both tried for a few years to try and make their borders much more tight to prevent illegal immigration, but realizing that it'd be a really impractical mess because of the geography of Lesotho and trying to cover that with walls or people investigating was really really tough they ended up giving up any idea of them having tighter borders because it really wasn't practical and it wasn't anything that was that deep to them so they just gave it up to focus on more things and to this day a lot of people still migrate in and out of south africa into lesotho because of the fact that working there back and forth is so prominent another thing that lesotho was figuring out in the late 1900s was their water. Lesotho is technically abundant in water and has agreed to a deal that would have water shift up into Johannesburg, South Africa for a really reasonable price. Like they're getting paid very well for this. It helps their economy. And water is a huge part of the identity. But the deal actually drives large amounts of the water away from people in Lesotho because the water that's in abundance is going to the people who can afford it. And that's not a lot of Lesotho because a lot of the country lives in poverty and doesn't have access to the pipeline or other things that are distributing the water out, which are only in very expensive areas or going out of the country itself. The second prime minister would be Leabua Jonathan. He became concerned he would lose the 1970 elections, so he used his power to cancel the elections and have his opposition arrested. This led to his reign continuing and him ruling as a dictator. A coup occurred in 1986 that ousted this prime minister, and every election since from 1986 until 2002 was a coup, and led to the cancellation of the election or some level of meddling happening in every single one of the elections that happened every four years up until then. And things have shifted. Much more democratic system is coming to power now as 
people in the early 2000s started to want to push out this coup culture that kind of took over the area and wanted to separate themselves from that kind of thing that was happening racially in South Africa. And that gets us pretty much to the present, where the country is considered as low developed on the Human Development Index. So there's much work to be done, but the country is working really hard to change this issue. It has the slow. Uh, it has a slower population growth than most South, than most African countries, and more people are dying than they should because of the fact that diseases like AIDS and other untreated diseases are spreading rapidly in this part of the country and the world. And the average life expectancy in this country is actually the second lowest in the entire world, at 53.7 years, which is second only to the Central African Republic, which is one of the poorest countries in the world. So there's definitely a lot of struggle here, but they are making steps towards figuring out. They've stepped away from this coup culture. Elections are starting to become a little better. And communication with other countries that has similar history, such as Eswatini and Botswana as well, as well as the fact that their connection to Britain isn't bad because of the way that things ended. So the hope for them is definitely there, and the people are fighting to make things better, but it definitely will be a long road ahead with a lot of fighting to be done because they are in a tough place. And that pretty much gets us to the end where I like to leave it with a kind of mindset or takeaway. And with this country, that is no matter how hard you think the fight is going to be, if it is the right thing, you must fight that fight. I say that with Lesotho because it could have been very easy for them to let themselves be incorporated into South Africa or let themselves stay kind of under the British heel for a long time, even in the post-colonial period where Britain tries to claim that they don't have any more you know, pieces of their empire when they're still overseas territories and British crown colonies and things of that sort. But Lesotho could have very easily just agreed to any of this. Instead, they fought. Instead, the people, the Lesotho people, really fought hard. They continued to fight wars against the British. They didn't let their guns be taken away. And even on a peaceful scale, they didn't let themselves diplomatically be eliminated from controlling their own country by the British. And the way I say that can connect to you is because there's going to be times in your life where people will try and take advantage of you or try and get something out of you and definitely try and kind of have a heel over you, almost be a dictator to you. They'll hold you down, and this could be a boss, a relationship partner, friends, people in the same organization as you. It can be very, very tough. But no matter how the scenario looks, if you know that standing up against this is going to be better for you, you know that this scenario isn't right because someone is taking advantage of you, no matter how tough that's going to be to have that conversation with that person or to you know, maybe end a friendship or end a relationship that isn't right, you have to make that choice for yourself because it's going to make your life better. Because no matter how hard it is now, that issue, that struggle, that fight, or like the fact that things are tough, and no matter how hard the actual conversation will be or the fight or ending that relationship is, it's going to be way easier than continuously being on a path where you're struggling every day or you feel like you're getting taken advantage of instead of standing up for yourself. So even though one path has confrontation, it's a lot harder to choose, and it's hard to make that decision. Once you make it and get through the fight, then you will be on the better path because things will just get easier from there. And I feel that Lesotho did that, and I feel like at some point in your life, you probably will as well. So definitely do it when you have to. Always fight the good fight, and no matter how hard that fight may seem, always do it. So that pretty much gets us to the end and I don't have anything else to say so I'm just going to wrap it up and say Lesotho is one of my favorite little countries out there anytime I do research on it I get excited about learning about the gun war and kind of learning how they came to be and the fact that it is like this enclave just surviving fully being in South Africa is very interesting so I love it I love the country I love the history and I hope you guys did too so thank you all for being here and one more time my name is Reese Karlinski this is Young History 
And that was a Soto. Have a good one.